If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm going to have Arson, our newest preacher, get us going here. So read the. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That is it. Now, where do we start? We have to start with the very first word that Jesus says, Go. Uh, rather, and that's Mark 16. Um, look at 19, which would be like the like 10th word. <laughs> Let's look to Mark 16:15. It's actually up there. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, saying the same thing he said in Matthew. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison and will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Everybody say go. So Matthew 28 and Mark 16 reflect the same thing. Mark 28 says a little bit more about discipleship. Or rather, Matthew 28 says a little bit more about discipleship. Mark 16 tells you a little bit about signs and wonders. You put them together, you got the full picture. Amen? Now, the first part that we have to do now that you're looking at Mark is do what? Go. Everybody say go. Okay, none of the things that he talked about will happen unless you go. We will not baptize anybody unless you go. No one will get saved and believe in the Lord unless you go. No demons will get cast out. No sick people will get healed. And nobody will be speaking in new tongues unless you go. Amen? Now, my job today is to get you ready to go. Okay? So my job right now is to do a service and a training center in one because we went a little bit long in the Holy Ghost service, uh, the Holy Ghost prayer time. So that was kind of like our service Jesus took over. Amen? So if you're following along, I am actually going right now to the training portion. Okay? Uh, I, did, I didn't have anything planned for the service anyway. So it was like the Lord was going to give me that. Obviously, he did. It was words, and there it was. How many like those type of services? Amen? I mean, really, let's just be honest. I mean, let's just pause right here for a second because this is mission trip time. You guys are radical. Everybody here has a mind to understand this. Do you understand what's going on in our church? I am saying I'm done with PowerPoint presentations that I prepared four days in advance. I'm coming ready for what God said. Amen? And so when I was praying back there, this is what he said. Now, you know that we've had church services, and many of you have been to church services. Well, we'll preach to 60, 70 people, 100 people, whatever, Five points and a poem and a skit and a drama, but we won't see even what we saw just in the three ladies. You see, the gospel comes with signs and wonders. It doesn't just come with head knowledge and more and more information. How many know people? How many of you know Jesus loves you? How many know Noah didn't build? Uh, Noah didn't get the Ten Commandments, but Moses did. How many know that? How many know Moses wasn't in the lion den? Lions den. Okay. Okay. So you got a pretty good idea of what's going on in the Bible. Now you know what the deal is. We need to apply it. Everybody say go. Now, let me give you some helpful points to understand here when we're talking about go. What did Jesus do when he went? Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Let's start with the man. Everybody say the man. Who is the man? Who is the man? Who is the man? Who is the man? That's right. JCZ for sheezy off the heezy, my kneezy. All right? That's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's how we be like around here. Okay? Y'all got to get ready. We're going to Humble Park. 
Amen. We ain't going out to Oak Park. We're going to Humble Park. Amen. So you better come ready for all different types of things. I'm ready to talk about acapullas and, you know, all the good stuff out there. You're going to see pastor preaching and eating at the same time. Amen. And we'll talk about that. Okay. Here we go. Let's start with the man. What did Jesus come to do? You just saw the end of his life. He says, now you go out and do the same thing. Let's start off with him. What did he do? If you're with me in Luke chapter 4, somebody say I'm there. All right. Mike, go ahead and read verses 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He said, sent me to heal. Oops. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We need to get you guys in IVs. Amen. They're reading out of King James. Everybody follow along, though? Amen. What did Jesus come to do? Look up here. Here it is. Number one, he was anointed. God was upon him in the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. The same way that Jesus was anointed is the same way you and I are anointed. If you think to yourself that Jesus could do miracles because he was Jesus, then you've got the incarnation all wrong. If Jesus came down on earth with any deity and his rights to use, then he would have not been the Lamb of God for our sacrifice. The Bible says he emptied himself of all of his privileges, of all of his glory. So when he came here, he was 100% man. His spirit was 100% God. But he limited himself to only do what a man could do. What do you think about that? He did not do it as uh, the divine Son of God. No, when you look in the Old Testament, yes, you see Jesus. He comes and he visits with Abraham. He sends down hellfire, hell brimstone. You know, he parts the Red Sea, all of this. That was him displaying his power. When he came as a man, he got tired as a man. He ate food as a man. He was not like Superman, a little bit stronger than the average man. He wasn't a little bit faster than the average man. He wasn't smarter than the average man. He was 100% a man. If you think you are attributing to Jesus the deity on this earth is a good thing, you're actually ruining the gospel. You're actually ruining it. You're actually not helping it. Because what you're saying is God came down with his God's strength and saved us in his God's strength. And that then would mean a contradiction to the law. The Bible says that through man's transgression they came. And through man, the blessing had to come. But no one ever kept the law. No man kept his law perfectly. So Jesus had to come as a man to keep it. I want you to think about that. And the Bible even goes on to say in Hebrews that he was tempted in all ways like we were tempted. That is not like Superman type temptation, like it wasn't really a temptation. No, in every way you've ever been tempted, he was tempted. He was tempted with lust. He was tempted with homosexuality. He was tempted to lie. He was tempted to be lazy. He was tempted to disobey God. He was tempted to disobey his parents. I want you to understand that. When he went up to the mountain of transfiguration, he showed the boys up there, hey, this is what I'm really like, and he changed into his uh, pre-incarnate uh, image. But you have got to understand, that's not how he came walking around. The Bible said that he did not think equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, becoming a servant, and became obedient even unto death. Is everybody understanding that? So when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus at his baptism, when he was anointed, 
That is exactly how you are anointed. Are you all listening to me? You have got to get this in your mind. Jesus is just not kind of, sort of your example. I hear a lot of times when I say to people, you know, well, you ought to do this and this. Well, nobody's perfect. Okay, well, Jesus did it. Well, I'm not Jesus. That is not how it works. You see, because if you, you see, if you try to make Jesus out to be Superman, then that would be an honest argument. It would be an honest excuse. I can't live like Jesus because I'm not Jesus. I'm not God in the flesh. No. Jesus came down as a man. That means he had to be anointed as a man. That means he had to rely upon the information the Holy Spirit gave him like how you have to. He did not just pick up everything because he was all-knowing. He limited his all-knowing nature. He limited that. Do you understand that? Jesus did not know what was going to happen the next day. That's why they, they, he told him, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Stop asking me. I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. Did you all ever know that? They kept asking him, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And he says, the Son of Man does not even know. While he was on earth, he couldn't even tell you. Well, I'm coming back November 5th, 2008. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit from the Father did not tell him. Some of you say, well, when Jesus was here, why didn't he go around healing every sick person? Why didn't he go to every hospital? You know why? Because the Holy Spirit didn't tell him. Some of you say, well, you know, why didn't he start 15 disciples? Why didn't he just, all that he did, he said, he said this of himself. I can do nothing without the Father. He says, I only do what I see the Father do. Everybody understand that? So when Jesus stood up that day, and he reads this prophecy out of Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. He's not saying he's kind of, sort of anointed me, but I got all this God stuff in me, and now it's going to flow out, but I'm kind of playing the game here. No, 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 no. He is saying, now I got the power. He's saying, now I got the power to do what I could do. When he was 13 years old, he wasn't raised, resurrecting dead birds and making birds out of, pit, uh, out of clay like the Catholic Church teaches. He had no power. He was no different than Gary down the road. The only difference is, is he never sinned. He had no power. He could not raise the dead. He couldn't heal the sick. He could not do anything. He got baptized, and that was the one thing that was symbolic for him because he was not a sinner. Like we get baptized, that was the one thing. But when he got baptized, the Father showed us that, that he wasn't a sinner. By the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, and verified to us he was not getting baptized for repentance. And that's why John the Baptist said, I don't even want to baptize you. But Jesus said, I have to do it so that all righteousness may be fulfilled. And that is because Jesus as a man had to be baptized to follow through in the same way we have to be baptized. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him. And when it came upon him, the Bible says he had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that's why in Ephesians it commands us to have the fullness, because we can have it through him. And we're going to get to that. But listen, then he gets tempted, then he comes out of the desert, out of being tempted from the devil, and then he says this to the people, the Spirit of God is upon me to do these things. Now you know what the thing is about Jesus? Is that he has a last name. Not like Joe Y. Rostick, but a real last name. It describes who he is. Jesus Christ. You know what Christ means? The anointing. Or the anointed one and his anointing. He was saying, I am Jesus in the anointing of God. Now watch this. I've already showed you the end of the story of his life. He says at the end, now you have the anointing. 
So you think about that. It's not that you become Jesus. It's just that now Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, the same way He was anointed, is inside of you and I. So I had to stop and say this, because before we read the examples of Jesus, I don't want you to disqualify yourself and say, well, I'm too young. I can't do what Jesus did. I'm too old. I can't do what Jesus did. I don't know enough. No. If you have the Holy Spirit and you ask for His anointing, you can do what Jesus did. And I will show you that. I will show you where He actually told you to go out and do it. And not only just to do what He did, but to do greater things than He did. That's the way you honor Him. Because Jesus saw, as we see in the New Testament, maybe about four or five people raised from the dead. Our missionaries in Mozambique have already seen 30 people raised from the dead. That's greater. Why? Because Jesus only had a three-year ministry. These guys have been out there for 15, 20 years. Amen? Now look what he said I'm here to do. Preach the good news to the poor. Is that not just obvious right there? The first thing he said at the end to the boys, go out and teach all nations to obey what I've said. Mark 16, preach the gospel. Amen? What did Jesus say the first thing he was there to do? Preach the gospel to the poor. Those are the poor in spirit. The second thing, proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That's what we're doing right here in our church, those that have been prisoned to hurt and pain and all those different things, and to those out there to their addictions. Then to, recover, to bring recovery of sight to the, excuse me, to the blind. And that's not just spiritually blind. That is physically blind. That is where the miracle, of power, uh, the miracle power of God comes in. He said to release the oppressed. And then in another version the King James, it says to heal the brokenhearted. And then lastly, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if you study Old Testament, that is the year of Jubilee. That means that now God will bless you. Now you can talk to the Lord and ask for blessings. So I want you to think about that. What did Jesus do? He was anointed. He went out and preached. And he set people free and signs and wonders followed. Are you all with me? Let's keep the points fresh in our head. Because what did I just show you you're going to do? You're going to preach with signs and wonders following. Now look at what his message was. Look at Matthew 4.17. If you want to preach the way Jesus preached to the poor... Let's hear exactly what he said and repeat his words. Amen? It's not repeating your words. It's not saying what I said. It's not saying what Gary said. It's not saying what the televangelist said. It's saying what Jesus said. Yvette, would you scoot down so I can see you right here? There's an empty seat for you. Thank you. Everybody say, say what Jesus said. Now look at Matthew 4:17. This is what he preached. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. There is no other message. Do you all understand that? I don't understand for my sake how when, when many of you have not witnessed with me, you see me preaching, sometimes you want to step in and like defend the person I'm preaching to. Don't do that. Sometimes I'm preaching and I start telling them, you're a God hater. You are an enemy of God. You are a son or a daughter of the devil. You are an enemy of God. And all of a sudden, sometimes somebody from my church wants to come in. Oh, come on, Pastor. You're not helping them understand. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. They're understanding perfectly fine. Because there are two different types of people you are preaching to. One is the one that already knows their sin. You're going to go out there, and somebody's going to say, I know I'm not doing right. I know I'm not living right. I know there's a God and I'm wrong. And you're going to say to them, repent then. Do it now. Get right with God now, right here on the streets. Tell them Jesus did most of his ministry on the streets. Tell them not to wait. Tell them this is their day of salvation. I'll give you some of those scriptures if you want them. 
The other type of person is going to think they do not need to repent. So let me tell you what you talk about the entire time. Why they need to repent. Do not let them change the subject. See, now this is going to get some personal application. You're going to come up to somebody and you're going to say, Hello, my name is Jared. I'm from Metro Praise. Can we share with you our message about Jesus Christ? They'll say, Sure. Yeah, go ahead and talk to me. And you're going to start saying, Hey, you know, have you ever been born again? And you're going to say, you know, you need to be born again, and this is what it means to be born again. And they're going to say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I think I'm going to go to heaven. I say they're going to, this is how most people are, I say they're going to go that route. Now, if you preach the wrong gospel, you know what you're going to try to tell them? Come to Jesus so he can give you a new car. Come to Jesus so he can bless your family. Come to Jesus so he'll help you out. And then eventually you're going to meet people that are going to say, well, my life's pretty good. I have a car, I have a family, I don't really need much. See, if you find yourself preaching to kids and teenagers and gangbangers, well, come to Jesus, he'll help you get out of jail. Come to Jesus. You're preaching the wrong message. It may work because these people need to hear that God will change their life and God's merciful to them, but you're actually not preaching the right message. The right message is they are sinners in the hands of an angry God, and they need to repent Thus, is, uh, so his wrath will not come upon them. So this, this person, uh, it reminds me of this lady I was talking to the other day. She says, well, I'm okay. I don't need to be born again. So I said, you think you're going to go to heaven? Yes. Okay, so let me get this correct. You think you're going to go to heaven without being born again. You understand? The second type of person is a rebellious person. What you now tell them is, do you keep God's commands? Well, I, nobody keeps his commands. No, I'm not talking about nobody. I'm talking about you. See, don't let them change the subject. Well, what about you? It's not about me. It's about you. Do you keep his commands? Then they'll say, I don't know. Now I'm going to tell you. What scripture to turn to? Turn with me to 1 John. Remember, this is practical application. You will be experiencing this tonight. Amen, Arson? Anybody who's else preached the gospel will understand it. Say amen. amen. This is what happens. It's so obvious. You all know this. Many of you have not, and that's okay. That's why we're here to teach you. We're not angry at them. You can say this in love, with a smile, and all of these other things. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Write this down. Remember to show somebody this. I will be going over this again after dinner when we have our last prayer before we go out tonight. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a what? He is a what? A liar, and the truth is not in him. I had this lady say back to me after, just have them read it. Bring, make sure in everybody's group you have a Bible. And everybody, make sure you bring your Bible next time to, cl uh, to class and service. Can you all do that for me? Amen. You're not showing yourself ready to go preach if you ain't bringing a Bible to the class. Amen. And, this, and we taught you that. We taught you to bring Bibles to church. So I had her read it. And now she's like, a liar? And what they want to do is try to be cute and cuddly. Notice this is a nice uh, young lady. She uh, is a second grade teacher. She's very nice. And so, you know. I'm not a liar. Are you really calling me a liar? Yes, you're the liar. Look straight-faced right at him. Tell him very... This is not a game, people. This is their soul. Look at them as serious as you can. Yes, you are the liar. You are that liar. They say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, have you told a lie? Yeah, well, that makes you a liar. You ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Yeah, it makes you a thief. You ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? That makes you a blasphemer. You ever lusted after the opposite sex? That makes you a fornicator. Those are just four out of the Ten Commandments. You want me to keep going? Then they're going to say back to you, 
But we've all sinned. And we're going to say, duh, that's what we said from the beginning. Be born again. You're not going to heaven with your sin unless you're born again. So they want to try to keep you in circles. They want to keep going with you. Well, nobody's perfect. That's the point. You've got to be born again. Otherwise, you are a liar. And I don't yell at them like this, but I just tell them very politely, you are the liar. Amen? Now, if we start street preaching tonight, we're going to get loud. Amen? You want to do that tonight? Let's do it. Now, turn with me to James. Then you need to say to them, listen to me. Because they'll say, they'll say the girl says back, like as this one said, well, I'll do it when I go home. I don't need to come to church. Then say back to her, how much have I told you about my church? They're saying it's not about my church. So make sure you don't make this about our church. It's not about our church. And this woman was trying to tell me this. Well, you're just trying to get me to go to your church. It's not about my church. I want you to know Jesus. And then I said, and she said, well, you know what? I'll do it on my time. I said, listen to me. You don't choose the time. You do it now. I said, if there's a battle between two armies and the greater army comes to the lesser army and says, either you surrender now or I destroy you. The moment you say, I'm not surrendering, you are that other army's enemy, and that, ar- that army will destroy you. Then you look right at him and say, you are right now an enemy of God. He will destroy you, and you will suffer eternity in hell right now. You just rejected him. I just offered you the white flag of surrender. Well, I'm out on the streets. It doesn't matter. You better not be ashamed of him. Because he will split this sky open. And the Bible says you will try to run under rocks and you won't find a place to hide. There's no place to hide from him. You better come now while you can, while he's offering you forgiveness. Amen? And I tell him, you are an enemy of God. Right now, you are his enemy. Well, show me. And I just love when they say, show me in the Bible where it says that. And this is right where you show him in the Bible where it says that. You go to James chapter 4, verse 4. And please have them read it. Have them read it. I don't care if they can't read very well. Have them read it. If they don't pronounce a word right, I pronounce it for them. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And stop right there and say, if you're a friend of this world, what are you towards God? And help them say it. I am a God hater. Help them say it. Say it. You're a God-hater. You don't want to surrender now. You're loving this, aren't you, brother? <laughs> Some of you guys feeling this because you've been preaching. You've, been, you, you've seen it done the wrong way and the right way. And the right way is a whole lot better, people. The right way is a whole lot better because it will get them really saved. Not fake saved, not play around saved. I could go out there today and I could say 20 prayers with everybody. You want, me to, you want to go to heaven? You want to ask Jesus in your heart? Pray this prayer. You're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Angels are in heaven. I'm telling you, I could do it just like this. 20 people easily. But I'm telling you, that's not being born again. That's not what the disciples did. The disciples understood. Many of you guys heard that message here. Others of you heard it on the streets when we did preach to you. It says you're a, a God-hater. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What are you, according to the Bible? Well, I can't be his enemy. I, couldn't, I just couldn't picture Jesus telling me I'm his enemy. I couldn't picture that. Yes, you're his enemy. Now turn with me to John chapter 8. He also calls you a son of the devil. Can you picture him calling you that? (laughs) Now you're saying, Pastor, this is tight, but you know it's right. Now I'm telling you this right now. I've had people in our own church hear it going down like this, and they want to step in the middle of it because you can cut the tension with a knife. 
you will see this sweet lady. I was talking to a principal of an of a elementary school, this sweet lady with their children. And, and she's, you know, they want to start off, especially when we're giving away stuff, you know. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's wonderful. You're giving away stuff. I go to my, I go to St. Patrick's. I go to church. And I start off. Have you been born again? No, I haven't been born again, but I'm okay. And you take it through. By the time we get to she's an enemy of God, you can just see this look of shock on her face. And then people, I'm telling you, man, the last couple of weeks, because I've been witnessing with you guys more, some of you have actually tried to interrupt me from going on saying that's not how we do it. Listen to it. That's exactly how we do it. And that awkwardness, that embarrassment that you're feeling is them being woken up to the truth of Jesus Christ. That little embarrassment that you're starting to feel is them really realizing right now that they're going to hell. See, we're not preaching, hey, how many people want a free ice cream cone? You know, if I go out there right now, I could say, how many want a free ice cream cone? Most people would say, I don't need it. I could spare a few calories. Every now and then somebody would say, hey, I would like the treat. We make Jesus look like he's a treat. Like everybody's going to heaven. But if you really want to be blessed and become a religious person like us, go to church like us, and then you'll have a couple extra blessings in life. So everybody sees us saying, hey, you want a couple extra blessings? And a lot of people are like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'll, I'll pass on it. This, maybe tomorrow I might have a little bit. But when you tell them, you are an enemy of God. You are going to hell. When you see them out in the desert and they have nothing to drink, and you say, this is the only water, now it's a totally different story. They come begging you, will you please just dip your finger in that water and let me have a taste of it? You understand? Jesus' message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to John chapter 8. Once you show them that they're a liar, you can remind them of that again. You say you know him, but you really don't. You're not born again. You won't inherit this kingdom. You're going to face his judgment. And look at what he says to you. He says this. Why is verse 43? And you can just, 8, chapter 8, verse 43, and you can say the same thing to them. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Say, Jesus told them, now I'm telling you. The only reason why you're not believing me is because the devil has blinded your mind and he wants you to go to hell and you're sitting here believing his lies because he's the father of lies. If you want to know the truth, and you go back to the beginning, 831, to the Jews who had believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So Jesus started in John chapter 8 with Jews who believed in him, saying, hey, I believe in you. Now Jesus said, all right, be a disciple and you're going to get free. They said, we don't need to get free. Just like these people say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, get out your sin and be born again. Well, I don't need to be born again. Yes, you do. You're a child of the devil. You're a liar. Amen? It's tight, but it's... Amen. Praise God. You can do it with a smile. You can say, I love you. Maybe with tears, I know. But you can say, I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. And then... You know, you know how you know when they're ready to get saved? Is when they say to you, what must I do to be saved? When they hear it so many times that it breaks down their pride. And now they say back to you, what must I do to be saved? 
you've told me so many times, Pastor, I'm an enemy. I'm a God hater. I'm rebellious. I'm a child of the devil. I'm a liar. I'm on my way to hell. What do I got to do to not be that person? See, now they're humble. Now do you, what do you do? Now you give them that water. Now you say, Here's, here's this. Repent. Be born again. Ask Jesus to have mercy on you. And you won't have to fake it. You'll know when they're ready. So this whole week, please listen to me. We're not asking you for numbers. I'm not asking you to go out there and say a prayer with a whole lot of people. I'm asking you to win the loss and bring rebellious people back to their father. And if that's just one, trust me, we'll be happy. If that's 2,000, we'll be happy. Because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. I'm just saying to you, if you ever find yourself in preaching, that's not your message. You're preaching the wrong thing. If they ever try to get you off the subject, well, what about the little babies in Africa? It's not about the little babies in Africa right now. If you want to study the Bible, you can learn about the babies in Africa. If they really want to know, just tell them. Everyone who doesn't accept Christ goes to hell. Does that make you feel better? See, all they're trying to do is get themselves off the hook. Don't let them get off the hook. They start talking about the churches. Well, my church this, this. You say, you know what? You know what Jesus is going to do to those churches? He says he's going to puke them out of his mouth and he's going to send them to the lake of fire. Now, what about you? Well, my uncle used to tell me this, this, and this, and that. And, I, you know, I had a, the other lady was telling me, well, what about the Virgin Mary? If anybody asks you any question like that, say, tell me out of the Bible what I'm supposed to do with what you're saying. Well, I, I can't show you out the Bible. Then we ain't talking about it then. If anybody can't show you in the Bible what they're trying to tell you, and they're trying to be, these are the religious people, you understand? These are the religious people. Well, I'm Catholic, and we believe that we're to pray to Mary. And, and why do you guys say we're not praying to Mary? Listen to me. You show me where I'm supposed to pray to her, and then I'll pray to her. Do you even know where to find it? Well, I don't know the Bible that well. Well, then you need to listen to what I'm coming to tell you. Because what I'm coming to tell you is more important. Obviously, you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to say that nicely, of course, right? I get a little bold when I'm up in the pulpit here. We're going to be kind to them. But, that, but you understand, that's what the, that, see, the sinner wants to get out of the microscope. They don't want the attention to be on them. They don't want it to be about them and their sin. They want to make it about little children in Africa. They want to make it about their Catholic church. They want to make it about that one church, that Christian church they went to, and there was hypocrites there. They want to make it about their brother who tried it and never could do it. They want to make it about their lesbianism. Well, you say that, you know, lesbianism is a sin and all this. Say, yeah, it's a sin, period. I'm not going to argue with you about it. The Bible says it's a sin. Can you show me it's not a sin? Get, get off all that other baloney with them. I'm telling you, I've spent so many, I've been on the street 13 years, and I've spent so much time arguing that with people, and I've never seen anything good out of it. I'm trying to prevent you guys from ever even wasting one, one moment out there doing that. That was Jesus' message. You don't see Jesus having arguments like these long, drawn-out discussions. He did that with people who were truly hungry and truly wanted to hear an answer. Otherwise, he gave them short answers, and that was it. And then the Jews got so annoying to him, he just said, look, if you can't answer my question, I'm not answering yours. Let's go on. And that's what I'm telling you guys. If they can't answer your question, where is it is in the Bible, tell them I'm not answering yours because you don't even know the Bible. Here's what I know. You need to be born again. You just read it. I know that you're a liar. I know that you're an enemy of God. I know today if you don't repent, you go to hell. Now, what about that you want to know? What about that do you want to put it right back on them? Amen? Praise God. I'm getting excited. Who's feeling some boldness? Come on them right now. Amen. What was Jesus' plan to spread this message? Go with me now to Matthew 4. How was Jesus going to spread the message of repentance everywhere he went? 
How was he going to do that? Uh, rather, everywhere he went was going to go, and then the church. I want you to look at Matthew 4:18. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Everybody say discipleship. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Everybody say, fishers of men. Don't you notice that Jesus said to the man the same day, I'm going to save you and teach you how to get others saved. Salvation is not your individual experience. You are not on the individual team of God right now. Yes, individually you make a choice to join the team, but now you are on a team. And you are on a team that disciples you and trains you to go out and win souls. Amen? That's what it's about. You've got to join the team. Jesus never said, go off by yourself and do your own thing. Jesus never said, sit on the pew and do your own thing. He said, this is the deal. I saved you, now go out and save others. What was his plan to spread this message? To discipleship. You know, Jesus, let's start with Jesus. Jesus disciples Peter. Peter then disciples, I believe it was Polycarp. Polycarp, I'll just start making up names. Ignatius and Clement. And they go on down the road. They're not these popes. Don't let anybody tell you a lie. They're not these popes. They were totally different men. Eventually, Martin Luther. Eventually, John Wesley. Eventually, of Azusa Street. Eventually, the Assemblies of God. Eventually, Brother Anthony. Eventually, me. Eventually, you. Now, you to the person next to you. It keeps going. Should the Lord tarry another hundred years, it's going to keep going. One learns it, then one teaches it. One learns it, then one teaches it. You understand? That's what you're doing today. You're going out winning souls. You know what? When these Jehovah Witnesses I meet out in the corner tell me, well, we're the only church that goes out and wins souls, I say, liar, liar, pants on fire. I said, we go out. I said, how do you think I met you right here? But they want to brag and boast. You know why? Because they got this one part right. But the problem is they got the wrong message. Amen? But that's how we got to do it. We got to be just as diligent as they are. And now let's go. What was followed? What followed Jesus' message? Now here's what we're about right here. Amen? Everybody say fuego. Look at Matthew 4, 20 through 22. Isn't this beautiful? It's all so simple. Everybody say it's simple. Isn't this simple? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. There it is. Remember we talked Sunday morning? Jesus had a message, and Jesus had power. Jesus went out preaching the good news. You know what the good news is? Is that enemy of God, that God-hater, that sinner can be forgiven. Anybody who accepts that message will see how good it is. How many know that's good news? How many know, you, how many know who you were and how God saved you, and it feels so good to be saved? Amen? And that's for everybody who wants it. Now look what else he did. And healing every disease. Look at Jesus' batting average. He batted 1,000. 100 out of 100 people got healed every time. No one has batted 100 since Jesus. Maybe you might be the next. I'm going to teach you how to do this in just a minute. Healing every sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send you out as workers into his harvest field. So one, two, three, four. Jesus came to preach the message of the gospel. Jesus' message was repent of your sin. Jesus made it plain so that others could learn and teach it to, them, to others, then keep it going. And number four, Jesus' message had signs following. Now, here's what it comes down to. You and I are to go out and do it. Amen? You all like the little PowerPoints? Isn't it cute? Now it's your turn. If you didn't get it, now it tells you it's your turn. What we do 
as we go out and do this now, I'm going to give you some helpful hints. Number one, we're going to pray for the lost. I have an example here of being at your job, but anywhere we go, we're going to pray for the lost. All of this, by the way, is prayer. These are all the things you pray. These are the things you do in your heart first. This is what I do. This is what Jesus did. You pray for a heart for the lost. You're going to see them with compassion. You're going to then pray for boldness, that you won't be shy, that you'll be able to speak God's word. You're going to pray for those who know, those you know who don't know Jesus. You're going to not only go on a mission trip, you're going to be a missionary. Amen? You're not just going to go soul winning. You're going to be a soul winner. That means you're going to start praying for people in your everyday life. Number four, pray for an opportunity to share your faith. Today you're going to start praying that people are going to stop and listen. Number five, read your Bible and pray for understanding so that you can share it with others. You just want to be able to pray and understand to share this simple message. Amen? Now here's how you demonstrate it to others. Find a good place and time to share the gospel. For us, it's going to be out there on the streets. And I'm going to show you all about this practically in just a minute. Don't feel like you have to make somebody believe. It's not up to you. You're just there to share the message. Amen? Number eight, share your testimony. Talk about how you came to the Lord. I'm going to talk about that in the practical part right now. Use examples about God's love that they can understand. Say, you know, if an enemy was offered surrender before the other, uh, before the other army destroyed them, wouldn't that other army be nice? Say, God's offering you a chance to surrender. Say, how many of you would die for your enemies? If you're talking to a gang member, say, what gang are you? Oh, you know, we're in Latin Kings. You know, what's the opposing one for Latin Kings? Disciples. So say, hey, would you, say, would you die for your boy right here? Would you die for this Latin king? Watch this. This is how you set him up. Would you die for the Latin king? Oh, yes. Yeah. Say, I'll die for him, man. I will die for him. I, I would do that. Say, would you die for a disciple? Say, Jesus died for you. You were his enemy. He died for you. That's how much he loves us. He loves us while we're sinners. You see, showing them examples of God's grace. And that will help them understand, even though they're an enemy of God, God wants to forgive them. And listen to their heart, not just their words. Amen. Now, let's get into some practical things here, okay? Uh, let's get everybody these flyers, please. Let's talk about some practical things of what to do now. Because everybody's going to preach, amen? And we're going to have fun. Man, imagine raising the dead. Wouldn't that be fun? Hold on to your question, please. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun seeing a devil cast out tonight? Somebody sick being healed? Is that what you were imagining can happen? Is that what you have faith for? Expecting? She's getting you the flyers right now. We use flyers because it's really easy to work them through this message. If you want to go in a different direction with a lot of other messages, she doesn't know where they are. They're right back there. Augie, go ahead and grab them for me, please. Did you figure out they're in the back now? I just saw you walking out the door. I was like, okay, she doesn't know. We still love her, though. Let's quickly get these to everyone now, please. Quickly. Take a few and pass them down. You'll be getting a bunch more later. Just take this right now for the sake of the lesson. Look to the English side because no habla espanol. Yeah, look to the English side for me. It's identical, obviously, on the other side. Here is the dealie. We want to take the approach of, have you been born again? So what we're going to do is we're going to break out into groups. When we come back from dinner, we're going to have one last meeting. We're going to have everybody sit here. We're going to break you out into groups. We're going to pray. Then we're going to load up and go out. Amen? That's it. It's time to do it. When we go out into your groups, you will have a leader. 
One of you will have a Bible. More of you can have Bibles if you want, but there just needs to be at least one. These uh, invitations, these uh, gospel messages, we have 10,000 of them. You can give these out however often you want. Feel free to put a pile in a, a gas station. Feel free to take some with you this week as you're going to your job. If you have to do that. And just as you're going out, you can hand them out as often as you like. But what you're looking for now is to preach the gospel. So the leader is going to be assigned to a certain corner. There on that corner, they're going to approach people. And this is going to be their approach. Hello, my name is Joe. I'm with Metro Praise. Or you can say, you know, your church. I know there's just one of you here today. Or you can just say, I'm with a group of Christians, whatever. Because this is more than just one church. Amen. We want a lot more churches to come. Uh, we put our invitations on the back. If you have yours, you can do that as well. I just made these simple because it would be hard for everybody to be on there. Um, hello, my name is Joe. I'm with a group of Christians. Can we share with you our faith in Jesus Christ? It's that simple. It's that simple. Or you can just follow the other way. Can I give you this information about Jesus Christ? Not just to have them walk by you, but to stop and talk to them. I would like for us to use, can I share with you a few moments about Jesus Christ? They'll say, oh, okay, whatever. Immediately, I like to just ask them, do you go to church? What are your thoughts about God? So you begin to hear about who they are spiritually. There always needs to be one person talking, the rest listening. When it's time for the others to talk, the leader will let you know because we don't want to interrupt each other, okay? While the one is talking, everybody else pray, okay? Let's just make it real simple. And if things go a little differently, it's okay. This is not law. We just we don't want confusion, okay? Sometimes there's a group of two and three. Only write down your questions and keep them towards the end, please. Sometimes there's a group of two and three. One will listen. The other ones won't. Sometimes the other ones of you can just talk to that group while the one keeps talking to the one who doesn't. I mean, the one that wants to listen. But the bottom line is you always have to stay as a group. You have to be within a touch of each other. So nobody separate. Once you guys are in that group, you guys stick together like glue, okay? So they're going to say, hey, can I share with you some, some things about Jesus? We came out here to talk about the Lord, how much we love him. They'll say, sure, whatever. And then I'll usually go, hey, you know, what church do you go to? And if they say, you know, I go to a Catholic church, whatever, I'd go right into this. Have you been born again? That's it. Within seconds, you're right to the meat of the conversation now. Have you been born again? If they say, I don't know what it is, say, can I share with you what it is? Have them read it. Okay, well, let's see what Jesus said. John 3, 3. What does it say there? And they're looking at it. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Okay? So how do you see the kingdom of God? How do you see the kingdom of God, people? Okay? So you ask them, how do you see the kingdom of God? You're born again. Now, can I tell you what that means? They're going to say, yeah. Say, so if you read all through John chapter 3, Jesus said you were born with the flesh, but his spirit must give you a spirit. If you don't have a born-again spirit when your flesh dies, you'll be faced on judgment day by Jesus Christ, and all of your evil works will be judged, and you'll be sentenced to hell. Do you believe today you need to be born again? Do you believe you need to be born again? If they say no, that's when you go down. I don't have any more scriptures for that. You don't go to two and three. You stay on point one, and all those other scriptures I gave you. Oh, you don't believe you need to be born again? Well, how do you think you're getting to heaven? Well, I was taught in the Catholic Church, I need to do this and this. Can you show me this in that Bible, what you just said? No? Well, then let me tell you what I'm telling you. You're not going in that way. Well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, what, what about all the other religions? I didn't come to talk about all the, other, all the other religions. Jesus said you're not going to heaven unless you're born again. Well, I guess I'll do that on my own time. Let me tell you something. Until then, you're an enemy of God. That's who you are right now. You understand that you are a God-hater. 
You're not a friend of God. You will be punished. You see, that's how quick it changes. Bam. You understand? Let's say they say, yeah, I do believe I need to be born again. Well, let me show you how. Look at number two. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How does somebody have eternal life, church? Believing in him. That's how you're born again. Then immediately they'll probably say, well, I do believe. But then now you've got to explain how repentance plays into that. If, if a man was on a tightrope today, you can use this illustration. Please use these illustrations if you don't have anything else to say, because they will work, okay? If a man was on a tightrope and he went from one side to the other on a bicycle, and then he shouted out to the audience and said, how many of y'all believe I could do this with somebody on my shoulders? Everybody screams out. How many know that those people probably believe he could do it, you know? But how about now when he points to the person and says, now you get on my shoulders? See, that's another type of belief, isn't it? That's a real type of belief. So that's what God's looking for you to do. If you really believe in him, then you're going to repent of the things you've done wrong. If you really believe in him, then you're going to follow his commands. If you really believe in him, you're going to start doing what he asks you to do. And if they go into, I'm a pretty good person, show them that they're a lying, a thief, and an adulterer, and a God-hater, and a, and a uh, you know, blasphemer, and then if they think that they're doing pretty good keeping the Ten Commandments, then show them in the Bible that there's another 300 commandments that they know nothing about, about fasting and prayer, feeding the poor, preaching the gospel, you understand, taking care of orphans and widows. You know, tell them how, the, you know, say you have failed. You're not even close. Don't even try. And then if they say, yes, I do want to be born again. I want to do it Jesus' way. I want to believe in him. And then say in 1 John 3, 9, look what happens when you get to be born again. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. What can the person born of God cannot? What can the person born of God not keep doing? Sinning. That's what you have them say. Say today, are you willing to leave your life of sin? Is that who you want to be? A, a true follower of Christ? If you should sin, you turn and repent immediately, and you never desire to do it again. Is that who you want to be? Then let's pray. And then you just lead them in a prayer. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. I want to be born again. Amen. And then on the street, say, right now, do you want to renounce any of the junk in your life? Now we're going to get into signs and wonders. Say, they're going to say, what do you mean, do I want to renounce anything? Say, well, with all that time you were sinning, the devil was taking authority over your life. Sometimes he possesses people. Sometimes he oppresses people. He just messes with them. Right now, do you want to break up with the devil and kick him out of your life? Then have them say what they want to get out of their life. Say, tell the devil what you want to leave right now, and I'll pray with you. And right then and there, you're going to see how serious they are about being saved. I was praying with these girls, you know, at, uh, you know, uh, Ohio Park. They wanted to be saved, went through the whole thing. And I just knew in my heart that they weren't serious. But I had no word on them, so I just had to go with it. So I'm going to give them grace, okay? You want to get saved, okay, pray with me. I'm just like hesitantly praying with them. Because I don't want to make anybody feel they're saved unless they're saved. And then at the end, but here was the check. I love it. I said, okay, now you pray what you want to change in your life. (laughs) I don't want to pray. All my friends are around here. I said, here I am, a white guy in a black neighborhood, because that's where it was, in a black neighborhood. And I said, I've come out here in my chonclas, you know, praying with you, leading you to the Lord, and and you don't care about, you know, you're going to let me embarrass myself, but now it's your turn to pray. Now you don't want to talk to God. I said, you're not saved. I said, when you're ready to talk to God right now about what you want to change in your life, you'll know that you're saved. Well, I'm going to do it when I go home by myself. Well, just know until you go home to do it by yourself, you're an enemy of God. And I doubt you are going to change if you go home because you're going to treat yourself lazy and say that you don't really need to do it anymore. And I'm going to show you that scripture of when it says now is the time of salvation, just so everybody can see that. 
Now, I didn't see too many people writing notes, so I'm either assuming that you can memorize it or you're just praying that God's going to give you revelation knowledge. But I've given you a bunch of scriptures to help you out, and I hope you write them down and you keep them with you. If you look at 1 Corinthians... Um, I believe it's Romans, rather. I'm sorry. What does it say? Behold, today is the day of salvation. Is that Second Corinthians? Okay, Second Corinthians six. One book off. You got it memorized, brother? All right, brother. Come on. Is that my book? Thank you, my brother. Look at my book that I lent to um, Arson, Demons. All about demons right here. It's the real deal. A lot of stuff going on in the supernatural world. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Say, that's what I'm telling you. Amen? So, they don't want to renounce anything. They're not really saved. That's okay. Love on them anyway. Say, hey, you want to keep studying the Word? You want to come by the church? You're welcome to do all of that. It's not about the church, but we welcome you now. Sundays, Wednesdays, Friday, tell them all about the ministries. Uh, You know, Sunday mornings, family church, children ministry provided. Sunday night, young adult ministry, 18 and above. Um... Tuesday, Spanish ministry. It is on the back, so there will be a lot of bilingual stuff going on with you guys witnessing. Everybody gets preached to, Spanish and English. And then uh, Fridays is youth youth group, okay? And then the website gives all that information as well. So if they need any help, let them know. Transportation can be provided. They call an hour before the service times by this number right here, okay? Um, Now, we have in the back these cards I want you to fill out. Uh, Andrew, grab those cards for me, please. And I'm going to get to those who have questions here in just a moment. I want to show you about these cards. At the end of you talking with anybody, just quickly to me, please. Thank you. I need the whole stack. Yep. In your group, we are going to give these to you. What these are are contact cards. We want everybody to be contacted. I don't care at the end of the conversation you called them the enemy of God, the child of the devil. Just say, hey, man, can we get you on our newsletter list to keep in touch with you? And they're just like, obviously not, dude. Just be like, okay. Well, we try to keep reaching out to you. Because our newsletter list sends out emails once a month, and uh, it links people to our website, which has all of our messages, our TV shows, etc. If someone was cordial, just say, can we get your information? It's primarily name, number, and email. We don't need their address. If you definitely lead somebody to the Lord, you want to do this. Because we do not take baby children and then throw them in the garbage. Amen? Or we don't just leave them on the sidewalk. If we lead someone to the Lord, it's our responsibility to take care of that child of God. Amen? So you need to be like, hey, dude, I need to get your number, man. i got to call you up. Now, excuse me, your leader will know how to call them up and to handle the situation from there. But if you want to even do more than that, you can use the, through the leader. The leader will do this for you, so all leaders listen to me. Make a copy of this, and you can keep it, and you can call them up during the week. Uh, we don't have guys call girls, and girls call guys, vice versa, okay? 
unless it's our youth leaders calling youth uh, people. Other than that, everybody stay to your gender. So if let's say you guys are witnessing and a girl comes to the Lord and you're like, hey, I want to get her number. It's like, no, uh, Dahlia will call her. All of our other women will call her. Amen. And vice versa. So that's just the way we do it to keep up with it. So your leader will have that and you will have this on you. And if you want to do that, let them know. Say, hey, somebody will call you. We're going to ask if we can do this again. Uh, There's generally people in three different places of their life. Number one are skeptics. They don't believe anything. They don't think anything's real. You want to say to the skeptic, let's talk about it again. Let's go at it again. Let's meet for coffee. I'll I'll treat you out to coffee. I'll take you out for an elote. You know, whatever. I'll take you out. Skeptics. The other one is a seeker. Every other one is seeking. They're seeking. They listen to everything you said. They definitely heard the message, but they still don't know if it's true or not. Say, hey, come around our church. Keep getting involved. Keep hearing people say the message. And then the last one is a believer. The last one says, hey, I believe. That, that's the one you want to stick with as well. Say, hey, let's be a part of a family now. So the skeptic, the seeker, and the believer, you want to keep up with them so that you can keep praying for them. Just because we brought the wrath of God on them one time does not mean like we never have to again. You know, like we are going to make the effort to preach to them again. Amen? And if they are willing to sit down and talk with us again, we'll sit down and talk with us again. And there's so many different things you can continue to show them about repentance in the kingdom of God. Okay, now, when you get to the part about them renouncing, just say in prayer, Satan, I rebuke you over their life, and then begin to cast out the things they renounced. They begin to buck, jerk, and foam. One of your leaders is going to need to hold them, and you're going to need to imitate me on church services and ask them what's going on and get it out and try to get one of us there. We'll help you, okay? When we're praying on the streets, we generally keep our eyes open, okay? Ladies, always guard yourself. Don't let any guy touch you. Don't let anybody molest you or anything. We don't allow that. We don't allow drunk guys to try to get up on the ladies either, okay? So when a drunk guy feels the love from our group, then he's like, I want to hug sister so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? Just give him a side hug. And that's it. If they try to get more than that, the, the, the male leaders need to know to push them away and just be like, no, we don't do that here. Okay? We don't entertain drunkards and rebellious people. If they don't want to listen, just say politely, thank you for your time, but I understand you don't want to listen. Will you let us go on now about talking to others? If they continue to give you a hard time, find a police officer or find another leader because we're not going to sit there and be mocked and ridiculed by drunkards or people who are obstinate. You know, it's our freedom of speech. We're not disturbing anybody. If people don't want to listen to us, they can move on. If you feel that you're being threatened and those things, we are still in a free country where we don't have to needlessly suffer for Christ. Amen? And so the law is still on our side, and we can ask them to remove them from us. Or if you feel threatened, just keep walking and just get away from them. Okay? Most of the time, especially in like Boricua Fest, everybody's going to be respectful. You know how the gente are, you know. Tu sabe, you know how we do what we do, you know. I know, I know, I know many of you are Latino and you know Humboldt Park and you're like, oh, Pastor, you have no idea. It's so crazy. But trust me, now that you're a Christian, you'll see a totally different angle, especially you young guys, you know. Maybe you went out there before and they were trying to start a fight with you, et cetera, et cetera. But now that we're representing Jesus, we're no threat to them. Nine times out of ten, people are very respectful. They're very kind to us. There's never usually any problems like that, other than the occasional person that starts to get really offended that you're calling them a child of the devil, a God-hater, an enemy of God, and those things. But those people, it's just like, hey, if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to hear it. You know, to say, if you're done, you know, if they're saying, I can't believe you're telling me, it's just to say, hey, look, if you don't want me to tell you this, you can go. I asked you if I could share with you about what it meant to be born again. And this is what it means. And this is part of it. I have to tell you this. You know, if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to hear it. The Bible says, let him who has ears hear. Let them hear. 
Amen? Don't feel like you have to be people's whipping boy. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got to let people yell at you and tell you how they get mad and all that. No, don't do that. You know, just be very polite and say, look, I invite you to come to our church. And if that's where we leave it, then that's where we leave it. Have a nice day. I'll be praying for you and walk to the next person. And you've seen me do it as well. We had a drunkard that wanted to keep taking up our time, wanted us to keep praying for him. And I know the Bible. I know the Bible. And we said, I rebuke. We said that we rebuke that spirit of stupor over him, but he was still drunk. So at that point, there's nothing we say to him now. That's it. We're done talking to you. We tell him we're done talking to you. Because he didn't want to listen. You guys know the difference between someone who's listening and someone who's just drunk. See, we're not going to sit there. Because you know what the devil will have you do? The devil will have you do this. See, you, see, as you go out witnessing more, you'll learn these tricks. Because the devil knows, like, hey, you're going out there now, so what can he do to stop you? Well, he'll send you somebody to take up all your time. You'll be spending your whole time with this one drunkard, and they'll be no different than the time you start talking to them. And they won't even remember what you said to them the next day. Or they'll take your time with one person who gets upset with you. No, dude, just keep going. Amen? If they're sick in their body, say, can we pray for you to be healed? When we pray for people to be healed, we do not ask the Father to heal them. We command in the name of Jesus for them to be healed. It's either there or it's not. If they're in a wheelchair, be healed in Jesus' name. Legs work in Jesus' name. I command you to stand up in Jesus' name. If I help you up, can you stand up right now? No, I cannot stand up. Are you willing to try? Let's try. In Jesus' name, get up. They try, they can't. Say, God bless you for letting us pray for you. We'll keep praying for you if you come to our church. That's it. This is how you spell faith. R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K is how you spell faith. Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to look embarrassed? What if you pray for 100 people in your whole lifetime in wheelchairs, but the last one gets up? We're going to pray for the sick to be healed. At the end of them getting saved, ask them if they want to renounce the devil, cast out demons, and, and let the gospel come in power. If there's anybody that you think has a demon, bring them to the leader and say, I think he has a demon. Let's get it out of them. When we do our campanias tomorrow, I'm going to call forth people on the microphone. If you are struggling with evil spirits or have anything inside of you that you feel is from the devil, come here. I guarantee you there will be strangers coming off the street that will come right up to me saying, my family put a curse on me. I used to do this and this. And I guarantee you if everything goes down the way it's supposed to, shade beta, boda, ba, it will go down. Right out in the streets. Amen? Praise God. And if you want to street preach like that, say it too. Is there anyone here sick? Let's pray for you. If there's anyone here that's demon possessed, <laughs> demon possessed. Oh, I'm demon possessed. <laughs> Pray for me. But if there's anybody affected by evil, you know what I'm saying? Probably a little bit more polite way to ask them. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Now questions. Running pretty close to on time. Yes. What's that? And that won't be the Bible you bring then. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. Revelations 3.16. It's the, um, the opposite of John 3.16. Just remember it like that. John 3.16 talks about how much he loves the world. Revelations 3.16 tells you how much he's going to puke him out of his mouth at the, end, uh, at the judgment time. Just think 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about the Bible being the word of God. Genesis 3.16 talks about redemption, Christ stomping on the servant's head. A lot, of, a lot of good 3.16, if you can remember 3.16s. Genesis will tell them about Christ and redemption. John 3.16 about how he came to redeem. And Revelation 3.16 if they weren't born again. Amen? You can preach the gospel just on 3.16, baby. Come on. 
Any other questions? It's good to see a good crowd out here tonight. Yes, sir. The specific reference to repent to be saved is Acts 2.38. Turn there quickly and read it out loud. I know because you're saying those John 3 scriptures imply it. If they do want to see where it comes from, give them in Acts 2.38. And then uh, uh, also the scripture I just gave you in Matthew that that was his message. Go ahead and read it out loud, please. kind of says it all right there. Amen. I might have to add that one into our little three-step program. Any other questions? Anybody else? Are some more of your people coming out tonight, uh, Petra? Or is that tomorrow? Tomorrow, the more of them are coming out? Okay. Gloria. Amen. Any other questions tonight? Uh, Annette, I thought you had one. Yeah. Yes. There you go. In prayer. And we're not talking like, shut up, you know, just in your heart. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, Lord bless them. We don't want to freak them out, you know? Like you got the Holy Ghost whisperer over there. They're going to think like you're putting like a curse on them or something, you know? Like you're sending it to them. Drink. Drink. I know you want to drink. Amen. And let the Lord use you. Those of you who have been trained in the spiritual gifts, and even those that haven't, just let the Lord use you. You may get a word, just like I, how I had three words today. You may get a word out there. Matter of fact, I pray you get a word out there. Amen. I pray you hear something that you just ask them first, you know. Just say, hey, how's your relationship with your mother? And they say, well, I don't have a mother. And say, man, I was hearing in my heart. You know, the Lord was telling me this and that. Or you can just come out, thus says the Lord, you don't have a mother, you know. The only problem is if you're wrong, it makes the Lord look kind of dumb, you know what I'm saying? So what I like to do right now with my little training wheels, my little prophetic training wheels, I like to ask them first, you know what I'm saying? And it's been pretty good. I've been on pretty much, man. God's been doing a great thing in my life, and I know some of you are starting to see it as well. One young man I was praying for back there, and I just, I just felt in my heart that his mother had died, and he had held that against God. And, uh, man, I just did not have the boldness to tell him. Your mother died and God wants to take that. Because, you know, if you're wrong on that, that is just something terrible to be wrong on, you know. But I asked him, I said, I said, man, do you still have your mother around? He said, no, my mother died. And so I'm getting confirmation. I'm learning how to hear it better. Jesus was like, hey, you got four husbands. Go call one. Or go call one. She's like, I don't have any husbands. Like, yeah, you got four. Amen. Jesus knew how to get down like that. Jesus could read people's thoughts. And that would blow your mind if you start to understand. That was by the anointing. That's the same thing that's inside you guys. The same anointing can give you that same ability. We don't need one 900 psychic, amen? Let's all stand up together. God bless you, man. We're going to have dinner. We'll come back together and break out in groups and then pray. And we got all night to preach the gospel in this wonderful weather. So everyone come on to the front or hold hands as best as you can. I'm going to bless the food now. Do I get to hold anybody's hands? Come on, come on. There you go. He's going to come there. There you go. There you go. You can touch the shoulder. Here, you hold the mic right here.